Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So we started talking about prayer last week, and, and I wanted to do another, another one on prayer today. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 6 will be the reading today. You know, I asked you the question last week. Are you a praying person or a person who prays? And I know this week, in light of everything with the Ukraine, if you're like me, you have been a person who prays, like nonstop. Um, this has been such a unique experience for us because with social media, we are getting inside looks at what's taking place. In the Ukraine. And it has deepened, I think, my prayers because sometimes it's too easy to disconnect, is it not, when we hear of things that happen around the world. But when I see individual faces come alive to hear their stories, it tugs at the heartstrings. When I, when I see pastors who are desperately praying for their people, I think of my people. And would I not do the same? I wanted to look at Daniel today because Daniel was not just a person who prayed. He was a praying person. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but... They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king, demanded him, or reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? 
Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes, Persians, that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. In fact, he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment, couldn't sleep at all that night. But very early the next morning, the king got up and he hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. So, you know, the the quiet convictions of Daniel, that's what I want us to start looking at. Because back in verse 3, it talked about Daniel proving himself, right, that he was a, a good worker, basically, that he, he did things fairly. He did things to uh, bring prosperity to the king. Now, remember, Daniel was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar in 605 B.C. That would have been the first king that he served under. Um, he also ser- served under Belshazzar, and then uh, that's the story right before this, the writing on the wall, and he explains it to Belshazzar, and that night, Belshazzar is killed, and that's when Darius the Mede takes control of Babylon. And he continues on and serves under Cyrus. So when you look at all of that length of time, I want you to make sure that you understand Daniel was probably in his 80s when this took place. So this ain't no young chicken out running the lines in the line den. This is Mr. Alvin, I'm going to put you in the lines den. Right? So, so get that picture. We have put Alvin in the lines den this morning, all right? But Daniel was working with those who did not believe in his God. Do not sugarcoat this. Daniel is in slavery, all right? Daniel is not in his home country He was taking as a teenager because he was the cream of the crop. If you go back and read the start of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar says, I want the smartest, I want the best looking, I want the strongest young men you can find of all the royal families and nobility. 
because he wanted the cream of the crop. And he said, we're going we're gonna to train them for three years to learn everything our way. Our language, our math, our astrology, everything that we do. And then after three years, they'll be ready to serve in the kingdom. So Daniel is a very educated man. He, he was the top of the top. And he worked efficiently and capably, it says. And when you read through the, the story of Daniel, he always rose above. Under Nebuchadnezzar, he, he refused to eat. Remember, if you know the, the story in the beginning, when he's first taken, and they, they want, again, the cream of the crop, these are the best of the best, so the king assumes they need to eat what I eat because that's the best there is. And Daniel said, no. He said, I can't eat that stuff. Just give me the, the vegetables, and, and I don't want to eat the stuff that comes off the... But I'll still be healthy. And he proved to him, right? He proved to him that he was still healthy, eating his way. But he was holding on to his faith in everything he did. In every way he could, he was trying to hold on to his faith. One of the... The best ways, church, to influence non-Christian employers is to work diligently and responsibly. Again, Daniel is a captive. He's a slave. And he still worked the best he possibly could for the king. There is so much attitude these days in the workforce. As if the employer should somehow be um, happy that you showed up as an employee. Is that not a backwards way of thinking? Like, I grew up thinking, as an employee, I am so grateful to be here to get a paycheck. (laughs) But somehow it has reversed. It, It literally makes no sense to me. When an employee thinks that the employer is so blessed to have me. Now, I'm not talking about not knowing your worth, but I'm just talking about there really is a backward sense of things. But if we took that attitude as Daniel being a captive, don't you think he should have showed up begrudgingly and like, I don't want to do, I'm not going to help this guy. He just ripped me out of my home. I don't even know if my family's alive. I don't know what's going on back home. Why would I want to work for him? But see, Daniel took the attitude of everything I do is for the glory of God. Everything, no matter where I'm at, no matter where the circumstances have taken me. So Daniel lived most of his life. He was a a teenager, 17-ish, give or take years, when he was taken into captivity, and now he's in his 80s. He spent nearly his entire life as a slave in a country that didn't serve his God, that didn't do things the way he started growing up doing, right? Yet he still showed up and did his best. He didn't have a choice though, right? Well, neither do you if you want to pay your bills, let's be honest. We're just as much in slavery these days as Daniel was. When debt hangs over our heads. That's why sometimes I'm like, when somebody feels like, well, that employer owes me. It's not his fault that you're in debt. (laughs) You know? 
We're just as much in slavery these days with our finances, I believe. But here's the deal with Daniel's life. It's all about representation and who Daniel was representing. Last night, Thomas and I, we drove over to Little Rock. They had a speaker. Some of the teens had gathered at Brockington Road. We went because my son was there, by the way. We had to go say hi to Alex. And so we went over there and... Um, the speaker was the sculptor, what is his name, Thomas? I didn't put it in my notes. Scott Spearman, I think. Um, he's an alumni of SNU. If you've been on SNU campus, pretty much every um, statue and, and um, sculpture you see on campus, Scott probably has done, okay? Um, in my office, I have a um, Jesus figure we were given um, from the the university when we are ordained, and on the bottom is signed Scott because he creates those for the ordinance. So he does this presentation, and he's actually sculpting Jesus as he's presenting to us. But what caught my attention was his story about Alexander the Great. Might have caught my attention because we just talked about him the other day, Alvin, didn't we? But he was talking about Alexander the Great, and, and here's the deal. Alexander the Great, he wanted all of his commanders, those that were in charge, they had certain levels of expectations that he held them to. Like they lived at a higher standard. And so one of his commanders, words got back to Alexander that this one wasn't quite meeting the marks. Like he's not... It's not really doing the things we need him to do. He's kind of out there carousing, like, he's just not it. He's like, send him in. So he comes in, and of course, I can imagine Alexander the Great, who ruled the world, I don't think I'd want to be called into the office, right? <laughs> and he began to inquire about, is this true? Is this how things, yes, yes. And he asked the young man, he said, what is your name? Alexander. He said, your name is Alexander. Yes. He said, so not only do you serve under the most powerful man in the world, but you carry the name of him as well. Yes. He said, then you have two choices. Change the way you behave or change your name. Do y'all catch that, Christians? Because we carry the name of Jesus. What is our life representing to people? Because even in the hardest of situations, Daniel was representing the God Almighty who created the universe. And let's just be honest. If your life isn't meeting up to that, it's time to change behavior or change your name. That was so powerful. I, I ran home last night and, and I was like, well, that's going in the sermon tomorrow. Whoa, you know, because I thought that's what Daniel was about. It did not matter what the circumstance was. What mattered was that people would see his God in everything that he did. And that included his prayer life. So, so what I'm asking then is, how well do you represent God to your employer? I'll just leave that one there for you. But see, 
One thing Daniel didn't do, he didn't wait until a tough situation to pray, did he? Because sometimes I think that's what we can be guilty of. Verse verse 4 and 5, though, says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault. They were looking for something. we got to find something that this man is doing wrong so we can get him booted and get him out of the way. He's never retiring. He's never dying. What are we going to do about it? And they, they immediately said, Well, we... Everything he does at the office is good. Like the books are straight. He, he prospers. He makes sure that everything is on the up and up. And so they, they finally said, great. So the only thing that we can probably nail him with is the rules of his religion. Because we know Daniel. He don't want to eat what we eat. And he's always praying. Have you ever thought this thought? Lord, did everything right. Why is this happening to me? You see, Daniel did everything right, and it led to others being jealous. It led to others being envious of him. Trust me, people are watching you as Christians. Especially when we love to tell people we're Christian. We wear the shirts and we put it all over Facebook, right? There are non-believers watching you. And unfortunately, some are really waiting for you to mess up. That's just the truth of it. You see, they knew Daniel did everything by the book. So the only weakness they thought they could find would be in the religion. If we can just get the king to sign this law and see, and, and, and what the Bible said, when a, a Medes or a Persian law is signed in, even the king himself could not cancel it out. He would be held to his own word. There was no going back. So they knew. They already knew what was going to happen. But see, how did they know to write that specific law? Because Daniel was a man of prayer before the circumstance. You see, he didn't just pray sometimes. He didn't, he didn't only pray when, when times got tough, right? When the bad news came or, or when things didn't go his way. That wasn't the only time that he hit his knees. Because verse 10 says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, so he's got word what this law is. It says he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With the windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day giving thanks. And then it says they caught him as he was praying, Lord, help me. He's probably praying, Lord, I don't know what what to do (laughs) because I'm always going to honor you, Lord. You see, he knelt down as usual. So this wasn't something of an afterthought. He had a habit of praying three times a day with the window open facing Jerusalem. So guess what? This means that these men probably saw him every day in his window praying to his God. He was living out his faith on a daily basis for all to see. 
Church, Daniel already had an intimate relationship with his father before this happened. And that is so important in life. Because we never know when the trials and tribulations of this life will hit us. We never know when one phone call changes everything. We never know when one maniac decides today's the day to cross the border. Because can I tell you that on my social media, I saw several people from the Ukraine leading up to this. that They they honestly was way more calm than the rest of the world. Because they were like, eh, he threatens us every day. Like, this is how we live over here. We know he's at the border. We think he'll be smart about this. We think. <laughs> as soon as the world puts a little pressure, we think he'll, he'll change his mind. And he did. But the church has been ready. The church was already praying. The church was already at one with God. Daniel was already intimate with the Father. He didn't run to his room and hit his knees and, oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. (laughs) He just did what he always did. He prayed about it. How do you think he lasted from a teenager to his 80s in the situation he lived? Because every day he talked to the Father. So prayer was not something he resorted to in times of trouble. It wasn't the the last hope. I really hate when we say, and I'm just as guilty, and I try to catch myself now. Well, prayer's all we have left. Should have been the first thing we did. Should have been what we already had, not what's left. You see, David watched his friends be thrown into a furnace, did he not? (laughs) As a young man, I'm, I'm just sure that as this developed, don't you think he had a recollection of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And I always love to refer to them as they were entering into their situation because as the king was taunting them about their God saving, what did they say? We believe he can, but even if, even if he does it, And I know I'm looking at some stories in here this morning that you understand, even if. Even if it don't come out the way that I hope. My God is still the God on the throne. My God will save me one way or the other. (laughs) And he will walk with me, even if. So I know that Daniel in all of his wisdom knew that day, even if. I know who I am. I know I didn't do the things they want to think about me. And I have served my God to the very best of my ability. Even if. And then what did God's angels do? They shut the mouths of the lions. Oh, church, I pray this so... This has become fun. It's almost his prayer. In so many things. When we know there's really nothing we can do. When we know that whatever the situation is we're praying about, that Lord, I have done the very best that I can do, so Lord, I just pray that you'll shut the mouths of lions. Diane, have I texted you that? I need you to pray today, Diane. Shut the mouths of the lions. 
Oh, my mercy, has he in so many times. And we know maybe he won't every single time. Hmm. But it never lessens what I think about God. I never, never doubt God when, when it doesn't happen the way I wished it would have happened. You know, listen to me. I'm not focusing today on the lions. I'm not focusing on the fact that Daniel did not get eaten. That's the miracle, I know. But what I want to focus on is how Daniel lived his life to that point. Why was Daniel a man of prayer? Because he lived a life to glorify God. From the moment he was taken in captivity, he was kidnapped, people. And he still said, I'm going to live for the Lord. Everywhere I go, people are going to know the God that I serve. So I don't know, I don't know what your captivity is today. Because sometimes that's what life feels like to us when we're stuck in, in a job we can't get out of. When we're just stuck in a, a circumstance. You know, maybe we created it. Maybe it was done to us. Whatever your captivity looks like. You can be like Daniel and decide, I'm going to live to glorify God right where I'm at. In the good times, in the not good times. His prayer life was not about himself. What I find is everything was about honoring who God was. Remember, he's in exile. And here's the deal, God can use us wherever we are. You see, sometimes we get frustrated because we're working with people that don't believe the way we believe. Maybe they mock us. And we, we get frustrated. That's exactly where Daniel lived. But he lived a faithful life to the best of his ability, which prospered the very person that had him in captivity over and over again. And this faithful life touched others around him. You, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't really want to prosper these people around me. But, but listen to this. Listen to this. Verse 25. So when Daniel, after Daniel has come out. By the way, the men that accused him. Those lions were hungry, just so you know. Verse 25, King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Because of the way that Daniel lived his life, the world heard about God. Not a God, the God of Daniel. Who are you representing, church? Every single day, 
Who are you representing? Who wants to be a Daniel in the day that we live? Because I read you a testimony from a Ukrainian soldier that tells me that God is still rescuing his people. He is still performing miracles today. And it isn't just over there. It can be here. Someone in your family, you've been praying and praying and praying and praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. God can deliver them. Oh, BJ, but it seems so whole. Keep praying because God can deliver them. And you're like, well, my circumstance, I, I kind of know how it's going to go and it's not going to go good then you're going to serve God to the best of your ability in the middle of whatever you're in because somebody is watching you. You will be a witness for Jesus Christ when you go in and represent Him. Not yourself, but Him. Oh, we've prayed the prayers of Daniel. Shut those shut those lines, mouths, Lord. Help us, Lord. We've prayed those. But to be truly like Daniel... It takes a daily sacrifice, a daily sacrifice to love God before everything else. Because Daniel made a habit. He knew three times a day, I'm going to pray before my Lord. This week as we begin this season of Lent on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, this is the perfect time for you to dig into a life of prayer like never before. Because I guarantee when it becomes a habit for 40 days, you kind of just keep it going, right? And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, you know what, I I used to do it. I kind of fell out of the habit. Well, let's pick it back up again. I used to journal every day. I kind of fell out of the habit. But you know what, our daily writing has brought me back to it. Maybe not always as fully as I used to, probably because I don't have as much time as I used to to just sit and journal and journal and journal. But I've started journaling again. And it's because I have made the decision to, by the way. I had to make the decision, okay, every morning this is what I do. I pick up my reading plan, I pick up my journal, and I write my one scripture. And on some days, begrudgingly, I write two or three verses if they give them to me, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe for Lent, you aren't giving up and fasting something. I am. Forgive me for 40 days if I'm a little hangry and cranky when I come in, by the way. No, it's not my coffee. Y'all safe. Coffee is still on the table, but... Maybe, maybe that's not what God is calling you to do. Maybe God is calling you to become a praying person for 40 days. Praying for your family and your friends' salvation. Praying for this church, this community. Praying for the Ukrainian church. Praying that, that God somehow intervenes and this doesn't become World War III. Praying that we begin to see people coming in off the streets. Like, I'm, I'm, you know me, I'm sending y'all out. Like, that's my whole mission is to send you out as the church. But I still believe God calls people off the streets. Why? Because people can feel when a church is a praying church. 
If you've never walked into buildings or, or conventions where you know it's been prayed over, you can feel the Holy Spirit when you walk in the door. My very first women of faith, I remember walking in, and I just cried like a baby, and I couldn't stop crying. And that was my first experience of what the Holy Spirit felt like. Because I knew the struggles that, that I'd went through to get there, and, and so many times I almost backed out, and Diane just, no, 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 you're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go. But it was a prayed-over event, and you know. You see, when you live a life like Daniel, to represent God in all that you do, in your workplace, in your home, you're making a difference for Christ. But man, when we fall short in the workplace, they still see the name of Christ on us, but what are they seeing? That's why we have so many people that says, I don't want what you got. Because <laughs> I don't see a difference. I don't see anything that can help me. Who do you represent? Stand with me this morning, church. These altars are open. I feel like somebody today, you, you, you heard this message, like God spoke to you, like who am I representing? How am I living my life? If, if the moment comes of being thrown into that lion's den, have, have I prayed up before? Am I already intimate with God to where there's not even a, a, a doubt in my head that I need to drop to my knees like I always do? Let's pray together this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, let your spirit just work. He's the one that convicts, Lord, not me. I just brought the word you asked me to bring today. And God, it has spoke to me as I have prepared through it this week. It has shown me the places I fall short, Lord. That even though I pray that prayer, shut the the lion's mouth, Lord, that, God, I want to make sure that my life is showing it in everything I do. Not just at a moment I feel I need you. Lord, I just pray for for my people this morning. I want them to have that intimate relationship with you. Someone who maybe, Lord, they've just never stepped out in a public way. Daniel showed his faith publicly. Even though he knew he was in a place that didn't believe the way he believed. And God, it changed the world. The world at that moment, it changed them. Because the name of God then went out for who he was. For all to hear. Father, someone in here today, they're they're in the middle of something really hard. They're still not even sure they can trust you, Lord, but let them hear you whisper their name right now. I love you, my child. I love you. I know what what your past is, but I love you. Let me walk with you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for a praying church. God, I thank you for a global church that knows to reach out to one another. And I pray this week, Lord, may our hearts begin to flame, come, come to a flame and, and, and just grow in the need to be in your presence. 
as we come back together on Wednesday for for our Ash Wednesday service, God, will you work in every heart of, of what you want them to do through this Lent season if they are participating? But God, beyond that, would you just open the scriptures and the devotions to them to, to feed their soul and, and God to continue to disciple them? And may this church and this community be changed because each person becomes changed. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people together said, Amen. Church family, have a wonderful day with the family and go be a blessing to others. I'll see you Wednesday night. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.